Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing. We just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Morning Walk with the Artist Forge. I'm Nicole York. I'm going to be your host. And today we're going to talk about work-life balance. Seemed like a good way to end the week, considering all the conversations that we've had about networking and, you know, confidence and identity and all just all the wild stuff that we've talked about. Let's bring it back to something that's a little more practical, something we can action on and something we can break down a little bit because work-life balance is something most entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, work from home, anybody who is in that boat goes through this struggle, right? When your workplace is in your bedroom or in your office, in your home, or any place where you can sit down and be in front of a computer, it becomes increasingly difficult to separate yourself from your work. In addition to the fact that for many of us, since we are solopreneurs or sole proprietors, it's up to us to make our own money. We can't rely on somebody else to bring the marketing and everything else to bear that we need to get our clients. So it can start to feel like more than a full-time job And the pressure is always there to be producing, to be bringing people in, to be making sure that we cover our bottom line. And all of a sudden, rest, family time, time with our friends, time for hobbies, travel, everything else starts to become a distant memory. And if we are still engaging in those things, as we should be, then we can feel a lot of guilt around it because I could be sending out the emails. I could be putting a new marketing piece together. I could be editing those photos. And the whole thing can become just a big mess. So how do we find work-life balance? Is it even something we can find? Because I've heard this discussion and this argument lots and lots of times amongst creatives. Is it real? Is it some unicorn or does it even exist? Is it something we can have? And if we can, how do we start building some of those rules? I wanna start by just repeating a quote that I was lucky enough to hear yesterday, um, that rest is a biological imperative, not a reward. And so I just want everybody to keep that in the back of their heads um, as we have this conversation this morning. So of course, gonna begin by asking my panelists, what do you guys think about work-life balance? Is it a real thing? And if it is, how do we get it? How do we manage it? What do you guys think? I think it's, it's absolutely something that's clearly necessary. I mean, you hear me talk about balance a lot. And I was actually talking to Cicela the other night and we were talking about the difference between the U.S. and Europe and our views on 
24-7 work here in the States versus, you know, uh, many European countries having a completely different view of work-life balance, which seems to be more in line with natural balance. I think for me, it's certainly a struggle to be able to um, try to keep the business going, try to keep up with people's demands, try to provide the service that I want to provide and having it be only me right? As my intention to grow the company grows so that I can bring people on so that I can have more balance. You know, I, I keep telling myself this tale that, yeah, as soon as I get somebody in, I'll be able to step back a little bit and take some days off and whatnot. And I don't think given my personal personality type that I ever would. I think the only thing that's going to change to give me the work-life balance is to make that hard choice that, you know what? The world's not going to end if a client doesn't get their, uh, their photos tomorrow. The world is not going to end if I don't update my website or if I don't get my marketing materials printed. Will my journey from A to B be a little bit slower? Possibly, maybe not. But if I don't take the time for myself, I will absolutely burn out 100% and then I'm in a worse position than when I started. So for me, being able to force myself to take time off, have the conversation that, no, your business isn't going to fail because you're taking a couple of hours to go snowboarding or go to the beach or whatever, that it's our own perception of how important we are. And we're really not that important at the end of the day. We provide good things for good people, but you know the world doesn't revolve around us. So why don't we enjoy the world and get out there and do some things that make us feel good. By doing that, we can then bring that to our clients. And it's a whole energy shift. So do as I say, not as I do, as I sit here trying to work this morning in a snowstorm. <laughs> um, you know, everything about that was fantastic. But the thing that really stood out to me is this weird idea that for some of us, maybe this imbalance and work and life has to do with arrogance. <laughs> like, you really think you're that important, Sugar? Does everybody's world revolve around you? Is it gonna fall apart if you're not there to answer that email within 15 seconds? No. Get back in your lane, chill out a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. I know that's I like a it's... much harsher take than <laughs> what you were saying, but the idea no, but of it just really amused me. It's, it's completely true, right? We're totally arrogant in that. And, you know, it also comes from a place where a lot of us have these people pleaser tendencies and we don't want anyone to be inconvenienced. We don't want anyone to have to wait for an answer. We don't want to um, have people think that we're not there for them, right? But how many times, and I won't call any names out here in my life, but how many times do you try to be there for everybody and you try to provide great service and then you turn around and you have something happen like this morning with uh, no plow guys for me and Bassam, right? That person is probably at home saying they can wait. The world's not going to end. I'm going to get to it when I get to it. And we all have to just take a look from different perspectives when you're feeling burnt out or when you're feeling this way, look at it from different perspectives. And I think you'll find that, far fewer things in this life are as important as we make them out to be. And if we realize that fact, we might just have a little room to chill out and have some fun once in a while. 
I like it. Um, I see we're starting to get some hands. I want to absolutely grab you this morning. Give us just a few minutes and then I'll start pulling people up. So don't give up if you've got your hand raised and you want to talk a little bit about work-life balance today. Do that and then just let it be. I will grab you, I promise, in just a little bit. Um, so I want to touch on Becca and Bassam really quick first. What do you think, guys? Is work-life balance a thing? Can we get to it? I think it's a thing for maybe other people. I don't know if it's a thing for me. <laughs> um, when we were talking about a, what's what our struggles and things that you know weren't working for us, that was something I was thinking about. And that conversation took you know a very different direction uh, the other day. But uh, oh man, that that finding balance between work and relaxation and family and friends is something I just am fighting every single goddamn day, and. I mean, maybe that's just, you know, the reality of being a parent with small kids. Um, and it's, it's, I don't know if it's like a lie that we like receive off the internet where people put, you know, their highlight reel on display and they're like, look at how balanced and wonderful my life is. And I work from home and then I spend two hours doing, you know, crafts with my children and feed them an organic lunch and, you know, whatever the hell kind of like perfect mom life. And I'm not doing that. I'm a mess. Um, so like, I, I absolutely struggle with this all the time. And I've, I've been very chained to the desk workaholic kind of person even before I had kids. And that's just how my family is. Um, all, all my, you know, immediate family growing up, my parents, my brother, all very hardworking, all very goal driven. And I was very much the same way. And then I had kids super young and that stuck a giant stick in my wheels. Um, so yeah, this, this is a struggle for me every single day and I have no answers. Oh man, you know, bringing parenthood into it, um, obviously gives an entirely new twist to the whole idea because of course we have more people relying on us in those circumstances. And so we have a little bit less in the way of time to spare for everyone <laughs> and everything. Um, and I know, so your goblin just turned five, right? Yes, five-year-old goblin. Yes, five-year-old goblin. So she's going to have school pretty soon. And I know that that's going to open up so much of life for you. That was my experience when my littlest one turned five. Um, but even then, there were quite a few things that I had to put in place. My mom was really fantastic about reminding me as a parent that I needed to have time for myself that I needed to have time to unwind. And I think it's because she never gave that to herself. And I say gave that to herself because um, my dad was that kind of guy. My dad was a workaholic guy. I don't think he ever, every now and then he would take one of us fishing with him or something, but he wasn't the type of dad who was gonna be like, I've got the kids, honey, you go live your life for a while. So she really was just the kind of cogs that made everything turn. And she never set up rules for us about times when she needed her alone time or whatever. Of course, she would kick us outside and be like, go play. <laughs> Don't come back for a while. But that's not the same thing because that meant she probably was cleaning the house without being messed with. Um, and she really, really pushed that at me when I started having kids that I needed to make sure I was taking care of myself. And it's been much harder during COVID. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. And as parents who are working from home, that 
reaching that work-life balance seems like it's absolutely an impossibility. So I'll be interested to hear if other parents have any ideas. But for me, I know putting up boundaries is a really big deal. So in the evening, you know, there's a, a certain certain time in the evening, like my littlest one, and I know this isn't possible for your goblin with, you know, some issues that she has with sleep, but for other parents out there, this may help. I have a pretty strict bedtime for my kids, the younger ones anyway. They go to bed at eight or 8.30. May seem early, but they do it. They go get ready and I get them in bed and the whole rest of the evening is mine. <laughs> it's mine. This is not to be encroached upon. Um, and in the mornings, the kids don't just come jump into bed with us in the morning. You don't mess with me until I get up. That is my time as well. Once I'm out of the room, you're free. Or if the door to my room is open, you're free. Until that time, that is mine. And then work time. So that doesn't always work as well because my youngest is going to school at home, but um, there are certain things he knows are not to be interrupted. And if I'm doing a live stream or if I'm mentoring someone or things like that, he doesn't get to come mess with me unless there's an emergency. Those are times when the kids know to be quiet and go hang out somewhere else. So having some boundaries can definitely help with that um, as far as like where the kids are concerned. And then the other part for me is just trying to give myself a really hard out. So we usually start cooking around 4.30 here because I like to eat a little bit earlier so my tummy has lots of time to have everything digested by the time I go to bed. But those times I want to be like, ax, I'm cutting it off. Wow. Whatever's not done is not getting done. And the rest of the day is for whatever's going to happen for the rest of the day. Other things end here. And that can be really difficult, especially if I have deadlines. And I don't always stick to that, but I try to stick to it most of the time. And it definitely seems to at least assist in the balance. So those are some kind of just potential ideas, some things that have worked for me. Um, I'm going to be curious to hear from other parents today. So if you are a parent who is a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, as an artist, um, I want to hear from you guys. If you can share, raise your hands. What things do you do as a parent to build that work-life balance into your life? Um, after we hear from Bassam, I'm going to start bringing folks up. So go ahead and raise your hand now if you want to be able to share some of that and we'll get to you. But do you want to respond to that at all, Becca, before Bassam um, comes up or those things that you've tried or things that have worked for you or not? What do you think about yeah. maybe some of those ideas? Yeah. And I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, like kids are people, right? And anytime you deal with people, there's going to be these wild variables and all the rules and the boundaries you set in place are sometimes going to crumble and fall. And it's like, I've, it's like, I know what needs to be happening and just getting it to happen is so difficult. And uh, I mean, one thing that worked really well for me, I love going into an office and like being able to separate work from home and the rest of everywhere else and having a designated place for work, a designated place to relax, to hang out, to be a mom, you know, having that separation is something that's worked really well for me. Of course, now in the era of the plague, that's become a lot harder because um, even, you know, when I didn't have a specific office to go into since I work, you know, from home as a freelancer, I still love being able to like go to a cafe or something and leave the kids at home with my partner and be like, this is it. I'm going to go. I'm going to drink my coffee. I'm going to sit on my laptop for five hours and uh, enjoy, you know, the ambient white noise of being around other humans and quiet in that sense, I guess, you know, and focus. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, COVID's really thrown a lot of that for a loop. So I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying to set those boundaries and we'll, we'll see how they go. You can do it. But also what you just said, I think is a really fantastic idea that people can put into place, at least for many of us who have the space is these designated areas, right? When I'm in this area, this is for sleeping. Nothing else happens here. When I'm in this area, this is for working. When I leave this area, work doesn't get to come out of there. Um, I think that that could be really, really powerful tool for people who are trying to make those delineations because that also ties into your habit loops and the way your brain thinks, right? This area is for this thing. Um, being able to separate those could be, that could be the key that somebody is looking for to assist them in being able to let work go when they close the door to their office or walk out of their working space. So I think that's, I, that's a really fantastic idea. Um, yeah, that's like a, it. Actually, I fought with my, my partner, Josh, on this because he always likes to have like his computer, not for work, but, you know, for gaming and whatever else he's doing in the bedroom. And I've had to fight him for years on this. Like, no, the bedroom is where we go to sleep and you can keep your computer somewhere far away from that because I don't want to deal with it. And both of our sleep has gotten so much better by having a designated sleep space that's not interrupted by a computer. So, yeah, I mean, you can apply that anywhere, just about anywhere. Yes, I love that. Okay, if you're just joining us today, we are having a conversation about work-life balance, trying to figure out if it even exists, and if it does, what are some things we can put in place to make sure that we do have that so that we're living full lives that we love and having a job that we love. Bassam, um, what do you think? Do you have any issues with work-life balance? If you do or don't, what does that look like for you and then friends in the audience today? Feel free to raise your hand if you want to come up and share. As soon as Bassam is done, I'm going to start pulling people up. Yeah, if I uh, have to answer your question very, in a very, very short sentence, I don't have a problem with work-life balance, right? But that's a bit short-sighted because, uh, you know, work-life balance varies and the need for it varies depending where you are in your life and what you're trying to do and who, who, who the people are that are around you. Right. So uh, I just want to give some examples. When I say I don't have a problem with work life balance, I'm going to go back. I'm going to give two examples. One in my ancient life, which was uh, very high up in a company with a lot of responsibilities. And I still came home at 6 p.m. every night, essentially, unless there was something major. I didn't work a lot of hours. Right. But the important thing is that uh, the so I was home for dinner most of the time. I was, you know, unless I was traveling and I and I was there for the kids and that was not a problem but with the difference between responsibility and accountability is huge right so you have a responsibility to be there for you know part of the day you have responsibility to get stuff done but when you're in that position you are accountable for everything and that's a 24 hour seven day uh, uh, a week job you can't say well i'm not accountable on the weekend right so to me you know the context drives what you know if you, if you decide you want to be in that position that comes with it and you have to find a way to balance it right where I did have a problem, and I totally understand, you know, I have to be considerate of others around me, people that I love, and make sure that their, you know, my work-life balance definition does not affect them in any way, or at least in a major way. But what I, what really I struggled with is when other people trying to define what my work-life balance is for me. And I'll give you an example. We'd go on vacation, and we'd lay down on a beach for seven days, which is a great way to disconnect, great way to, to you know, to... to, to just do something else, you know, vacation, right? But with the responsibility I had, I felt better checking my emails every day, 
just reading them, knowing what's going on, and picking that one nugget that I'm accountable for, that I need to direct with one word or a small email or whatever it is, then come back a week later or two weeks later and have 2,000 emails to go through. That stresses me out. So part of my work-life balance is to be able to do it that way. And for the heck of me, I couldn't convince others around me that that is work-life balance for me. So I don't know if that makes sense, but that's the mechanism I would put in so that, my, so that I'm not more stressed about being away from work. So that's one example. Fast forward to today where my work is a lot more, what's the word? I control what I do. I control when I do it. I love what I do. And when I'm doing it, it's because I'm enjoying it. With the odd, uh, once in a while, somebody has a deadline. They really need their photos. I mean, I, I, I love what Matt said about, you know, like the world is not going to end. But there are exceptions and you deal with them. But today, I could sit for 16 hours behind my computer and I wouldn't even care what's going on around me in the sense that it's not like I say, well, I need to get some work-life balance. It doesn't bother me. I enjoy what I'm doing. I don't need to go for a walk. I know we talked about that the other day. But I don't need to go take a fresh, uh, fresh breath or a uh, breath of fresh air. Uh, yeah, so it, it's, to me, it's, I don't have a problem with it. I just sometimes wish that people around me understand that they cannot define it for me. I do need to consider them in it. But... You know, my definition is my definition. Sorry, that was a long-winded explanation. No, not at all. I thought it was fantastic. And I really love the example of, you know, just being able to check those emails even when you're on vacation so you don't have a crap ton of work. Of course, that's going to allow you to relax more because you know that when you come back, you're not going to be overwhelmed and that's not hanging over your head. So I really like this idea of making sure that we take some time to define that for ourselves and what work-life balance looks for us and be okay with the fact that you may see other people like Becca mentioned, you know, they have two hours to spend doing craft with their kids and make their own bread and all of this stuff. And maybe that looks like a fantastic work-life balance for them, but it doesn't mean it has to set the bar for what work-life balance looks like for us. So um, I, I really appreciate that, Basam. I think it's important. And I hope that that goes into people's internal conversations when they're figuring out, well, what does that look like for me? And um, I think just the examples that we've had so far with you know, our mindset and making sure that we're not centering ourselves in our idea of other people's worlds, that we're not arrogant enough to think if we don't you know, show up 80 hours a week that the world is gonna fall apart and then with Becca's example also of having spaces, designated spaces for things, and then making sure that we're asking ourselves what that work-life balance looks like for us. And so I know we've got some friends with our hands up. We're going to start bringing everybody up. And as we do, I just want to share one idea that I think is worth, worth considering. So if you're in a place where you can, I would dare you to stand on one leg. Just for a second, do you feel the way that your foot is constantly shifting? It's not st completely steady where nothing is moving. You're not a tree, right? Your foot is shifting constantly. Your balance is moving from the back of your foot to the front, to the side, to the inside. There's a constant tremor happening there, right? I think sometimes our struggle with work-life balance comes from this idea that we think balance is supposed to be what true balance is. 
both sides still balanced on a center point and unmoving. That's not the way humans balance. Humans balance, human balance, oh good grief. Humans balance by consistently shifting their weight around a center point. And they've measured this. It's really, really cool if you ever get a chance to check it out. Um, but I think that that's probably what happens to us in our real lives more often than not. I think that what really happens is sometimes we work a little bit more. Sometimes we're with our family a little bit more. Sometimes we have a little bit more time for hobbies. Other times we're really in the mud with our clients. I think as long as we have a pivot point and those little balances, those shifts in balance and shifts in focus are happening, but none are taking up too much time. It's not as if one displaces the others. They just come shift in importance sometimes. I think that's what work-life balance actually is. I think that that may be the actual core of things because there isn't many other ways for folks like us, at least, artists, folks who are trying to make an income off of their, off of their art and build their own businesses and run their own businesses. There's not many, many other ways for it to work. Sometimes, like Bassam said, you have all these great rules in place, but something breaks them. You take a job where you understand there's a hard deadline, you're gonna have to give up some time in your hobbies. You have a client who needs more than you usually offer, but they're willing to pay. Maybe you have to give a couple things up for a short time in order to be able to cover that. Maybe you have a client come in and this one paycheck is gonna cover you for months. All right, other things can fall by the side for a little bit. So I like to think of it that way in my head because then there's no guilt associated with breaking the bounds of the balance I've put in place every now and then when I need to, um, and understanding that it's okay for sometimes my weight to land a little bit heavier in one place than in the other places. I don't need to strike a perfect, a perfect balance where everything is in order. I don't think that exists in organic life. So just gonna throw that out there. Sorry, it took us a minute to get y'all up Clubhouse is really being wonky. All of the moderators have had trouble over the last couple of weeks actually seeing hands up and then being able to get people up. So if you've had your hand up and we haven't been able to snag you, please understand that we are trying. I don't know what it is. We haven't been able to figure it out yet, but I'm so glad that we have Erica and Carol with us this morning. Erica, let's start with you. I know you had your hand up early. So work-life balance, what is it? for you? How do you manage it? How do you get it? Yeah. So I, um, I feel like I currently have work-life balance. I'm pleased to say that I have lived many, many years without it. Um, I have been burnt out and overworked and, um, just burning the candle at both ends. And I found that, um, during those times in my life, it almost, I mean, this may seem extreme, but I felt like I have like had like a stress induced dementia. Like I, I could not function. I couldn't, um, I, I would forget the most important things. And, you know, I just, I wasn't there and mentally for either my family or my life or my work. And so it really caused me to have to rethink and revamp things in order to be 
a functioning human. And, you know, it started with managing my calendar, making sure that I am not uh, accepting work that I, I just didn't have time for, um, changing my mindset about saying no. Um, by being able to say no, uh, it gave me a clearer mind. I was more present for everyone around me and my business. And then, of course, you know, I'm going to say it, creating processes to make my workflow more manageable. And, you know, by doing all of those things, it really has put me in a good place. Um, you know, sometimes uh, I'm not going to lie. I have FOMO because I don't participate in things that I want to participate in, but that goes back to managing my calendar. I just have to say no in order to protect myself. I love this idea of processes, Erica. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions real quick, if you don't mind. First, so when you didn't have work-life balance and you were struggling with burnout, what do you think it was that put you in that position? And then now that you do have it, what kind of systems are you using to make sure? I know you mentioned a calendar, um, but is there anything else there that is helping you maintain that balance? That's a system you would. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I feel like uh, when I did not have a work-life balance, um, everything was kind of a mess. Um, you know, I I didn't have processes in place. I didn't um, say no. And I just kept on adding chaos to chaos. And um, so by managing my calendar, I mean by saying no, only having two sessions in any given week, only, you know, scheduling during certain times. I stopped working every weekend. I started you know, maybe having one weekend a month, one Saturday a month where I would work and the rest of the time uh, it was weekday hours. And um, so that was that was my first thing. I think the processes um, were just simply in my workflow. Like, um, you know, when a lead came in, what steps do I take to handle that lead? Um, I, uh, I know we were talking about this the other day. Um, I have canned responses that I tweak for each lead that comes in. Um, I feel like I have to do that. Otherwise, you know, retyping all those every single time and making them 100% unique every single time would not work. I would be replying to emails all the time. So that was the first thing. And then just having a ABC process once, you know, for, for every part of my client experience, it's just knowledge for me, you know, knowing, okay, this is the next step and having automated and semi-automated things that help me get through that process. Um, I also do um, time blocking um, and making sure that, you know, okay, I edit between this hour and this hour. And then at noon, I will go through my emails and answer anything that's urgent. Anything that's not urgent, I will answer at a later hour. Um, so just um, that, and and that's basically, you know, how I have created my my calendar in order to create more less chaos in in my calendar in order to feel more balanced. Okay, beautiful. So the systems that allow 
you to kind of offload some of that workflow that are automated, that give you more time. That's a beautiful thing that I think almost all of us can look at instituting. I know we've talked about systems a lot in here. If you've never been here for one of those talks, systems are a way that you can build processes to deal with things in your business that are repeatable. So like Erica mentioned, um, you know, the way that you might answer uh, a first email or a first contact, um, maybe the way that you work through the workflow for downloading a photo and then adding presets to it and then, you know, putting it into a certain folder and naming it a certain thing. All of this stuff are systems that you can build to simplify, to speed things up, to get rid of some of the time that must be involved in it, um, even if that looks like offloading it to somebody else, whatever those systems are that just make things a lot faster and easier. And then she also mentioned time blocking, which is something I've mentioned before. We've talked about it a couple times. And essentially, it's this idea that you give yourself certain blocks of time in the day where certain kinds of tasks can be done. And outside of those blocks, those tasks don't get to happen. So answering emails happens from 9 to 9.30. Outside of that, they get an automated email that I answer tomorrow morning. Um, this is not, not me, this is just an example, but so a marketing happens between 9.30 and 10.30. That's when I get to build, um, launch and monitor marketing. That's the only time it gets to happen. Outside of that, it doesn't get to happen. And you find that having to fit everything within that time block speeds you up, gets rid of distractions because if I'm spending 10 minutes on Facebook, that's 10 minutes I'm losing from my marketing time. So it speeds you up, it keeps you on task, and it keeps those tasks relegated to a certain time. So when everything is over, I can't go, oh, I didn't go and check my marketing today. I know it's time to start dinner, but I'm gonna go do that really quickly. Nope, doesn't get to happen. Doesn't get to happen until your time block tomorrow. So those are just a couple things. Um, I love that you mentioned them, Erica, that we get to add to our possibilities for making work-life balance become a reality. And Carol is up with us this morning as well. Carol would love to hear from you. What are your thoughts on work-life balance? Hi, um, I have no balance. I never have. <laughs> one extreme or the other. And this is so good. I know that I need systems in place. So I do want to go back and find if you have one on systems that that might help. But but this is cool because I already liked what Becca said about designating the space. So I'm thinking blocks of time and blocks of space, you know, that you have definite times, you have definite spaces. That gives me structure that I, oh man, I so need it. And what's weird and kind of cool is my kid has always had this balance and I'm going to have to directly ask him about that. He's, he's 31. He's a young doctor. A lot of his time is not his own right now, but he's even in high school. He, you know, he said I could be valedictorian, but there's other things more important in life. And maybe that sounds like, oh yeah, right. You know, because who wouldn't want to be valedictorian, right? But no, when he took his MCAT, he tested at the top one half of 1% of the nation. So he really could have been the valedictorian. It wasn't important to him. And I've, um, I don't know, we're the old hippies. And I guess he found his, he had to find his own way. 
apparently, because we were not the example for him that we should be. You know, my husband just, he did what he was told at his job and he, and he worked and he came home and, you know, um, I mean, he's actually much better with his, with, uh, you know, doing marathons and things like that. So he has more discipline than me, but um, I like the idea of setting up processes and man, I, I so need that. Like when I, I asked my kid one time and he was like, if I were to die tomorrow, I wouldn't have any regrets. And it's like, as a very young person, who could say that, you know, um, wow. It, this this is very cool, very timely, and I'm so glad to be back to taking useful notes again because I have so many notes from the other room. So, uh, yeah, I need all of these things. So thanks so much, Carol. I'm done. I am so glad to hear it, Carol, and I know so many of us can connect with that. Um, this is one of those conversations that every time we have it, everybody goes, oh, thank God. <laughs> I need this so much. I think all of us feel that. So, so far, we've had some really great suggestions. And I want to touch on one thing you said, Carol, um, as parents, this is not an easy job. And we're always doing our best. We're doing the best we have with what we got. And it's interesting to me that your son, you feel kind of made his own way, irrespective of the example that you and your husband set. And I could argue it may even be because of that. There are a lot of things that my parents taught me that I recognized might have worked for them and I didn't want that. And I'm grateful for that because it allowed me to know the difference between what life would look like if I went this way and what life would look like if I went this way. And I don't see that at all for my parents as any kind of failure. I see that as a really great way for me to distinguish the things I wanted in my life. And those things absolutely have manifested in my life, in my relationships, in my home, um, you know, I, I got to see that firsthand and say, you know what, I think I want something else and then chase that for myself. And so I think maybe we don't always get to take the credit as parents, right? Um, but it sounds like, sounds like you did pretty good to me <laughs> if that is how your kiddo is turning out. Of course, of course, our kids have a lot of responsibility in how they turn out, but, uh, sounds like you did pretty good to me. So I wouldn't be too hard on yourself. I just thought I'd add, you know, I mean, I, I understand the model, Nicole, that you said that your mom set, because that was what you did as moms back then, you know, um, everything was about the kids and everything was about to making the house run. And, and there was no me time. There just didn't, it wasn't a concept back then, which maybe for younger people might be hard to, you know, to fathom. But by the time he was nine, he was so self-sufficient. Um, I mean, I feel like when he was 12, he was, he was more capable than I was when I was 19. And I went off and joined the FBI, not knowing how to do anything in the world, you know, but, um, um, oh gosh, so sorry. Feel under, under pressure to be, to be quick. Um, and I'm, I never am. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I lost, I lost the thought with my ADHD. So 
Thanks. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. All of us, all of us hit those sometimes. No pressure or stress from over here. It's no worries. If you think of it, just pop back in. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, so I'm. We've had. Oh, go I ahead. I got it back. It's just that by the by the time he was nine, I was starting school. Um, and every was my art. And so he had all my time till age nine. I mean, total focus, only kid and all that. And then when he became nine and I started getting, in, you know, being able to do art again, it was like my every second of every day. And then I would squeeze in what I needed to do. You know, of course I made food for him and I washed clothes and I did all those, you know, motherly things, but he felt, I know that he felt like he, it was a competition with the art. And, but now I think he's really glad that I have something that I care so much about, you know, um, that I do have my own purpose beyond the empty nest kind of thing. Um, which my mom, there was, she didn't even, she didn't know what, she didn't have a life beyond kids. The kids left and she literally did not have a life and she died at age 62, you know, um, it's, it's a different world. Anyway, thank you for that. Yeah, it's so interesting to think about the differences in this whole idea even of work-life balance over the centuries because when you have to get up and get moving, before the sun every day and go to bed after the sun every day just to live, just to survive. The idea of work-life balance doesn't even exist. You are working to live. Um, and now that we're at a point where we have so much more available to us that frees up our, our time, um, and some of us still have this pressure and these feelings that if we are not on top of things all the time, if we're not productive all the time, if we're not moving and doing and getting stuff done, then there's something wrong, right? And it's difficult to come to terms with the fact that like Matt was saying very early on, that doesn't have to be how life is. And I mentioned at the very beginning of this conversation, rest is a biological imperative for a reason, because at the end, I want us to remember that when we're talking about work-life balance, we're not talking about how can I offload enough work so that I don't have to do anything anymore. And we're not talking about how do I schedule my life so that I can work all the time, right? We're talking about how do I find a way to care for myself properly, to fulfill all the needs that I have of, of love, of exercise, of community, of you know these, all of these both biological and psychological and emotional needs that need to be filled. And for those of us who have it sometimes our our art our work can turn into a form of self-medication it's a way that our brains actually get to be focused on something and immersed in something and we don't hear the background chatter of our inner monologue anymore and there's nothing that feels more free than that and because it feels so good we can start to ignore a lot of the other things both with our health and ourselves with our our kids, our husbands, our wives, our partners, our families, our all of that stuff, our friends. And of course, that's not a good idea for anybody. 
those, those things exist in society for a reason because we found that they're necessary. So some of the things that have been mentioned so far are making sure that we're not centering ourselves in the greater narrative that exists beyond us, right? We're not the center of the world. And if something goes wrong or something doesn't get done, the world isn't gonna fall apart. We don't need to shoulder every burden that exists. It's okay, it's okay. The opposite side of that is sometimes we're not centering ourselves enough. We're centering everybody else and we're doing it all for them and it's for their sake. And if it doesn't happen, maybe they'll feel a certain way and we can't have that. And we forget that we can't serve anybody if we're not taking care of ourselves. So keeping those two things in mind, Becca mentioned things that we could put in like time blocking or not time blocking, I'm sorry, it's space blocking. So you know, when I'm in a certain space, it's time for this thing. Work does not exist beyond the office. Sleep is for the bedroom. The kitchen is for cooking and family time, whatever it is, however you have your space set aside, being able to put those boundaries on the space can make a huge difference in your ability to walk away from work when it's time to walk away from work. And maybe that looks like not taking your cell phone to the dinner table, <clears throat> How many people got their feathers up when I said that one? <laughs> Maybe that means not taking your cell phone to the dinner table. Time blocking and being able to do a similar thing as with space blocking. Set aside those times when certain things are allowed to get done. Email happens at a certain time. Uh, responding to uh, messages on Facebook happens at a certain time. Marketing happens at a certain time. Editing happens at a certain time. And during that time block, nothing else is allowed to interfere. It happens there and there alone. And the rest of the day exists for other things. Making sure that you set aside time for leisure. Put it in your calendar. Erica mentioned her calendar a few times. Put it in there and then don't let anything come in and take that away from you unless it's an emergency. You're going out with your friends to the beach on Thursday. Nothing gets to step in that space. That's yours. You need it. Protect it. It's okay to do that. I would also encourage everybody to protect their sleep. And I know this can be a difficult one, especially for artists who often tend to be reclusive night owls, because sometimes that's the only time we can work where people aren't getting in our face about stuff. Sometimes it's the only quiet time. But I would really encourage everybody. Becca mentioned computers aren't allowed in the bedroom right? If you can set aside the hour before bed as time to wind down, this is no more TV, no more phone, no more computer, maybe a book, a bedtime ritual that consists of your shower and your teeth, your face care, whatever it is, and then bed where it's nice and cold, it's dark, nobody can mess with you in there. You give yourself plenty of time between the last time you ate and going to bed so that your body is not using fuel and blood to try to digest instead of clean up your brain, which is what it needs to be doing. Um, set some parameters in place to protect your sleep. You're gonna find that it changes your entire life. And I know I don't drink coffee. I've never wanted to drink coffee. I think it's because my parents drink so much coffee. I don't think I ever saw my dad drink water, just water by itself. Um, I, I don't feel the need to, I don't wake up tired. When I wake up, I'm ready to go. 
that's because I go to sleep at 1030 at night and I wake up at 630 in the morning. <laughs> I get a lot of sleep. I'm ready to go in the morning when I wake up. And sometimes that's just because it's who we are, right? Sometimes some of us are morning folks. Some of us are evening folks. But many of us have disordered sleep, not because that's what our natural sleep cycle looks like, but because that's what we've trained ourselves to do. And if you're not getting good sleep and if you don't wake up refreshed and if you don't feel when you woke up like you just had a great night's sleep and you're ready to go, start thinking about some ways that you can protect that sleep time to get good long bouts of uninterrupted sleep so that when you wake up, you don't feel the need to do anything else but get up and move and feel good. Of course, have your coffee if you want to have your coffee. I'm not saying that, but um, just protect that sleep. It's going to give you the energy you need to maintain the balance that you're trying to build for the rest of your day. So as we're coming to the end here, I wanna make sure we have some time for final thoughts. If you're in the audience today and you heard something that connected or you have an idea you wanna share for what maybe work-life balance could look like, raise your hand, we'll bring you up. If you're up on the panel today, any final thoughts on work-life balance and what we've chatted about? So, so I had a question, you kind of tapped on this uh, a minute ago as well. But um, I feel like this particularly applies to artists, but the overlap between the leisure and the work. And I'm wondering if anyone else struggles to divide that. Like, I mean, that's kind of the, you know, the, the wonder of being able to be a professional artist is you get to take something that you probably really love and also turn it into a career, but it's, it's sort of a double-edged sword, right? Where it's everything can kind of feel like work or everything can kind of feel like play. And I mean, even this morning, right, I'm sitting at my computer at like 4.30 in the morning, um, you know, working on animation for fun. And like, it will eventually probably serve my work, yes, but it's also just something that is fun and enjoyable and leisure for me. Um, and I definitely kind of see, I don't know, like, I, I, I wouldn't say it's a struggle, but a pattern there where I find even when I have that free time and I am trying to relax, I'm still in pursuit of something artistic and I do other things um, too. There are other interests out there, but I'm curious if anyone else struggles to find that divide. Amen. I'm sorry to jump in, but yes, 100% feel like, you know, I, my hobby is editing. I, I swear, you know, I, I enjoy it. So it's not necessarily my client work that, you know, I, consumes my time, but in my spare time, you know, I do things that, uh, you know, help me creatively. And um, so I will oftentimes, you know, in my quote unquote spare time, that, that that's what I do. And, you know, people around me are like, oh, you need another hobby. I'm like, but I, I love this, you know, this is what I enjoy doing. So yes, 100% Becca, I am with you on that. Don't ever be sorry about jumping in, guys. I love it when you do that. Yeah, Carol. Same here. Um, there's no, well, that's part of why, you know, I, I related to the chaos, adding chaos to chaos. But there is no division between work and enjoyment for me. It's all, I'm so one-dimensional about art. You know, I have to say, in my own defense, <laughs> uh, what I did model for my kid was we come also from family of workaholics and I did model 
you know, setting goals. I went to 13 different colleges in our travels, you know, and when he was in third grade, he was just like, mom, are you ever going to pass? You know, <laughs> are you ever going to pass college? Because I was constantly going to school, but I was always, always, um, you know, working toward a goal and achieving it. And so I think we did model, I did at least um, from my family, coming from a farm family, uh, being a workaholic. But no, there's no separation between the the fun and the work. It's the same thing. I mean, I, it's, it's fun at some point. Parts of it are work. Parts of it mean, you know, I had six months I couldn't use my right arm because I overdid it. And I had to switch between kinds of art that I did. I had to go to, you know, carving clay because it didn't hurt the way all the fine motor, you know, skills of drawing and and that kind of the detailed designs and things that I do. So, yeah, I'm I just I'm really like the idea. I think this will help so much spaces and time that are carved out specifically for different things really speaks to me. And really, I wasn't a negligent mom. I probably sounded like it, but I mean, yeah, he did. He came out great. <laughs> Thanks. No, I, I, I identify with this a lot too. And I know Basam mentioned earlier, that's kind of a similar, a similar story for him. And I think that's why it's so important when he mentioned that we get to decide what work-life balance looks like for us, right? I'm in a absolutely same boat. If I'm not making, um, I'm still making. Like I'm, I have a table behind myself that my kiddo uses for school. That's also my craft table. So when I build costumes and props and everything else, I'm over there and I'm doing that because I enjoy it. I like to make things with my hands. So I don't think that there is necessarily some kind of uh, imperative that says our hobbies must be, you know, set completely aside from the work that we love. I think we do it because we love it. But if we find then that the result of those hobbies that are still kind of work is that we are feeling burnt out or overwhelmed, or if we're seeing other signs that say, it probably shouldn't have been this way, homie, then maybe it's time at that point to make sure that we are adding or removing things as they fit. And with this discussion, it's important to remember overall that we have to be the barometer. And if we feel happy and good and energized and we feel comfortable with our relationships and our family life is happy and all of those things, we probably don't have a problem. But if we're starting to feel burnt out and overused and alone and everything else that accompanies that, something's going on that we need to pay attention to. It's time to add something, remove something, cut something away, um, alter the way that we're doing it and find out where those feelings are coming from because chances are we are neglecting our relationships. We're not giving ourselves enough time, all of that good stuff. So I think today was a fantastic conversation. I hope that a lot of the tips and tricks that we've mentioned so far are things people can give a try if they work for you. That's so super awesome. I hope that you use them to give yourself a work-life balance that fits you and makes you happy. And if you're already in that great place, man, go in the Facebook group and share your secrets with people. Stop being so selfish. We need to know this stuff. Um, but 
I think that it's something we have all struggled with at least at some point and maybe not for very long, but I do want to repeat this idea of balance and make sure we have the right idea in our head. Very few of us will ever define balance the way that we picture it in our head, which is usually there are there is a, a scale and equal weights on the other side and nothing is moving. And that's what balance looks like. And that is not what balance looks like for humans. If you ask a human to balance, try it right now if you didn't before, stand on one leg, feel the bottom of your foot, see what it does. You're constantly shifting your weight. You're still on one foot. The rest of your body is still balanced off the ground, but your weight is constantly shifting all around the center point of your foot. So sometimes your balance is gonna swing a little bit harder to one side. It's gonna weigh a little bit heavier on work. Sometimes your balance is gonna weigh a little bit heavier on leisure. Sometimes it's gonna weigh a little bit heavier on family and that's okay. It's normal. It's normal to be a little bit out of balance while you're balancing. That's how it works. So no guilt is allowed as long as you still feel happy and motivated and glad to be doing what you're doing. And if not, take some of the tips that we've talked about today, start playing with them and see what fixes things. Experiment. And when you find new great ideas, share them with other people so they can take them and use them too. All right, guys. First, super grateful for everybody who shared today. Super grateful for this community. Y'all are amazing. Thank you for showing up here every morning, for coming to the Facebook group, for sharing your links and your work and your great ideas. I'm so, so amazed at this community and so grateful to be a part of it. Next week is gonna be our first live stream next Thursday. So really looking forward to that and hoping everybody joins. If you haven't yet, go throw down your ideas for what the February challenge should be. That way we've got plenty of time to go and make amazing stuff. There's some fantastic ideas already so far. So go throw your idea in. If it doesn't get used this month, maybe it'll be part of the March challenge. So go do that. Also, head over to theartistforge.com. There are new blog posts and podcasts going up almost every day of the week, the work week anyway. Yesterday's was on what a healthy relationship with money looks like. Um, it was a great conversation when we had it. It was really re-enlightening to listen to it again uh, as I was writing the blog for it. So I would really encourage you, if you're one of those money folks who struggles, go read that one. I know I needed it again. So go have a check of that. And in the meantime, have a great weekend. Have an incredible rest of your day. Take life by the horns, man. Go live it in a way that makes you happy. And in the meantime... Until Monday morning at 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, go make something amazing. We'll see everybody then. Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at The Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.